G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, we like to check in with Family Voice Australia and Family Voice Australia State Director for Queensland is Andrew McColl. Andrew's back with us. Andrew, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil, and good morning, listeners. Andrew, uh, concerned that this week's federal budget characterised what we began to talk about a little last week. And so we might do a little recap and revisit to some of the things we were talking about on a update last week and consequences of a welfare state. I wonder uh, just briefly if you've got a, a little bit of an insight or overview or how you were feeling when the budget was delivered on Tuesday night. Well, I didn't like even listen to the budget, to be honest with you, Neil, but I, I've heard some of the, the, the testimony or some of the comments made afterwards. And we we sort of get this picture uh, that it hasn't been that easy for some people to, to digest and for other people they've probably felt more positive about it. But it, it just sort of comes back to something that I started to talk about last week in that we were looking at a passage in the Bible from Judges and chapter 9, which was a parable of the trees. And, of course, parables in Scripture tell us something about human nature. And we looked at the fact that there were three trees that were productive. Uh, That was the fig and the olive and the vine. They were profitable. They had fruit, and people wanted to eat the fruit. But there was another tree in that parable, which was the bramble, and the bramble was a different story. He had no fruit. He was he was hard and sharp and destructive and more interested in power than serving others. And the lesson from, from that story, uh, really, that was told there in Judges 9, is that foolish people make bad leadership choices, and this will really hurt them and other people as well in the long term. Just to pause and reflect here for a few moments, and listeners might like to go to that passage in Judges chapter 9, at Jotham's parable of the trees. And uh, interesting, isn't it? Uh, you might just sort of gloss over a story or a parable like that as you're reading through some Old Testament books, but the fact that it has made it into the Bible and has been an influence on nations uh, for not just centuries but millennia, this is very important and lessons we learn from stories or parables like this uh, might be worth stopping and taking a little bit of time to reflect. And uh, as you say, uh, there's something special in this one because uh, of those four different trees that were in the garden, the fig tree, the olive tree and the um, and the uh, whatever the other one was, uh, we've got the bramble. Yeah. Okay, the bramble. Right, yeah. So the thorny, the thorny one, and uh, offering shade <laughs> to those who will come and sit under the thorny vine. Uh, this is a very powerful story, and so just repeat for us here what you think is so important about this, Andrew. 
Well, it, it teaches us that different people make different choices. And the, the, the whole context of the story, Neil, is that the, the, the man who's telling the story is all of his brothers have just been murdered and uh, by their half-brother, Abimelech. And so this fellow, Jotham, he's just about to escape and disappear quickly in case he gets chased, which he probably would have been. But he, he just comes up with this remarkable, absolutely remarkable story or parable, which does reflect human nature significantly. And it's important that uh, what it does do is talk about leadership. And it's important that when we choose leaders, we look for what is what seem to be the motivations that govern these people. And in the case of this, the parable, there were three parable. There were three trees who were rather reluctant to be leaders. They were doing other things. They were busy. They were profitable. They were productive people. And what they had, people needed and wanted to enjoy it, which said something. And, and so, and so. But when it comes to the fourth person, the bramble, uh, he's not so much fun to be around. And so we we learn from that. Look, we ought to be choosing our leaders carefully and examining their background and examine what they've done with themselves and looking at their at their past form. And you know, when you when you go to the Melbourne Cup, I, I used to be interested in, in horse racing many years ago. I mean many years ago. And one of the things that you if you follow horse racing, you go to the track and you you, you can get what's called a form guide. And the form guide tells you about the, the horse's background over the last number of races to give you some idea how he or she will probably go in this race. Well, people have a form guide too. It's, it's their history. It's their past behaviour and what they've done in the last 10, 20 or 30 years. So we can consult the so-called form guide, if I can use that term, to get an idea of what people are like. And it's important that we do do that if we're looking at considering people for for positions of leadership. Look, I think it's a, it's a clever way, a wonderful metaphor, in fact, if you're looking at horse racing and looking at the form guide uh, to say uh, we don't want to repeat the mistakes of the past. Uh, there is form here. And so... Uh, Give us an insight here into some biblical wisdom around what we might be able to see is what is developed in Australia uh, along the lines, and this is both sides of politics, this is not partisan, uh, both sides, uh, and the thought of a welfare state. What are your thoughts here? Well, what we find when we go to the Scriptures, and I've got my Bible open at Proverbs chapter 23, and that the first three verses of Proverbs 23 say, When you sit down to dine with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are a man of great appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for it is deceptive food. And what we know that, and this is getting back a little more to our situation today, is that as we were talking earlier about that parable, that foolish people expect their government to do a lot for them. And we call that the welfare state. And some people have come up with with uh, comments like, from, from womb to tomb, from cradle to the grave, we will look after you. Well, that's the promise. Unfortunately, the welfare state tends to make lots of promises. It's, it's prevalent in the Western political life today. But 
of course, I can make a promise to you, Neil, that I'll, that I'll give you a million dollars this afternoon, and it won't be borrowed money. <laughs> but, yep. but my capacity to give you a million dollars this afternoon that isn't borrowed money is extremely limited. So I'm better off not doing that and leaving you in your present state. So what happens is the welfare state makes lots of promises to people, but over time it finishes up breaking most of those promises, leaving lots of people hurt and disillusioned and upset with what's really happened to them. They say, look, you told me all this stuff. You told me that it's going to be great under your government. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch two or three years later, it's all gone pear-shaped what's happened. And, and already, already, uh, it's no joy to say this, but already Mr Albanese, after five months in office, is having problems with his promises already. There's the, there are a few difficulties translating the promises into reality. That's what happens with welfare state. That's a very common scenario. And we have to consider, well, hey, we've got to be careful what we choose and we choose what we want from government and the kind of people that we want to govern us. So be careful with promises and the actual handouts that come from government. And especially because on both sides, uh, there is a political agenda. And uh, part of that for both sides, and what happens, I guess, in a welfare state, is the developing of a dependency then on the government and uh, the need for more and more handouts and uh, right now spiralling downwards so far as uh, national debt goes. How do we go from the bad to the good, though? Uh, What are your thoughts here, Andrew? Well, we have to think about things a, a little bit more realistically, and I would say, and I'm sure you would too, more biblically, and because governments can promise, but can they deliver? And and uh, we have this, you know, as we say about the welfare state, and we have to have to look at it from a whole different perspective because it really, to be blunt with you, the welfare state has not been for the welfare of the community at all. Yeah, it promises that, but it struggles to deliver. And even if it does deliver, it tends to finish up with lots of debt. And of course, debt's always harder to pay back. So we've got to say, how do we go from the bad to the good? Many years ago, a, a, a Bible teacher that I, that I knew at the time, who's now with the Lord, came up with this little seven-word statement. And it goes like this. Power flows to those who take responsibility. And we tend to see that in the lives of characters in the Bible, particularly, of course, Jesus himself. Jesus was just like you and me, a human being, born of a woman, uh, grew up, did all the things that we do, yet right throughout his life when when he entered into his ministry, and even before then, we see that he was taking responsibility for what was happening around him, helping people, healing people, raising from the dead, etc., teaching people and so on. And at the end of his life, the end of his ministry, we find in the Great Commission, he said, all authority is given unto me. How does that work? Because right from the get-go, Jesus was taking the responsibility of obeying his heavenly Father. So that, that little statement, power flows to those who take responsibility is actually consistent with scripture 
Okay, let's get practical here because uh, we might say, how do we take responsibility? And uh, we're going to balance this too with the thought that uh, welfare is something uh, that if you think of charities, if you think of uh, generosity, this is something that's a part of the Christian as well. So we're balancing uh, what it is to recognise that there are needs that need to be met by government uh, with the responsibility that we might take as individuals and as families. So let's get practical. What do you mean by the sorts of things we might do and uh, with some biblical foundation in there? Well... What we do know is that the Bible teaches us in Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6, speaking of God, it says, A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So right from the get-go, we find this image in Scripture of God being a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows. And then it says, this is what God is like in his holy habitation. Now, I'm sure heaven is a holy habitation, but I think holy habitation is actually a picture of the church. So God wants to be at work amongst his people to get us thinking a little bit more about our local possibilities to care for needy people beginning of course, with our family. So what if Christians began to do things differently and do things more biblically? So interestingly here, uh, you're saying that uh, a family takes responsibility for its own health, uh, for its own diet, uh, even for uh, keeping well, keeping fit. I am. I'm, I'm saying... Also, that that you know, what if we what if we decided? Well, look, okay, there's a a massive Department of Health. We've got we've got six state and one federal health departments. Seven of them, all taxpayer funded, all spending all spending comfortably hundreds of millions of dollars on health. Well, that's that's what we're told. So, but what if what if you and I were doing our research on on health? and diet and fitness and we took all the steps we we could to protect our health with what we were eating and the exercise we were getting and how much sunshine we, we we're getting and and we got that help and we paid for it where necessary now it just so happens that we find in the bible the first mention of the nurse is genesis 24 and she that's the nurse and the midwife are mentioned in genesis chapter 35 in Jacob's household. So right right from this picture, you, you get this image right from the first book of the Bible that the midwife and the nurse were part of the household of the people of God. I, I don't mean every household, but it's certainly every every grouping. Of course, in Jacob's household could have been a large number of people, but they would have needed a nurse and 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 the midwife to be there, obviously, for having babies. So... Rather than have this department out there, taxpayer-funded, of course, what about if we said, well, why don't we take responsibility for our health? What about if we think about the education of our children? What if we said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we take responsibility for our children rather than sending them off to 
a school and to a government, uh, to to a, a public school funded by the taxpayer, funded by the bureaucracies. What if we, we said that we could do this? Is that possible? I know it's possible because my wife and I began homeschooling our children 32 years ago and we, we did that for 14 years. Uh, Time time running out, uh, but this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because we can trace the history back to Christian foundations, Christian motivations for our healthcare system or our education system. This is all very very much uh, Christian foundations in those things, but somehow or other the church has relinquished uh, the authority or the way that those things are run because we've handed those over to a secular state. Another Quick to mention here, because we're running out of time, but what you're saying here is if you apply this even to aged care, uh, we might not be so reliant on aged care, huge part of the budget, uh, but taking care of our grandparents, our parents, our grandparents, when they're a little frail. No doubt there's going to be specific needs that we can't look after, but you're saying take more responsibility takes pressure off the, the federal budget. Well, it does, and if we if we take seriously those three roles, education and health and welfare, we can do it much more cheaply. We can do it much more personally. We it will it will cost the community a whole lot less because over time we could even see government departments begin to close. We'd save the taxpayer a whole lot of money, and it gives us greater freedom. There is a better way to deal with what we're facing today than simply utilising taxpayer-funded departments. And I think it's God's way. And it simply requires us to be obedient to Scripture and carry it out because when we accept responsibility for education, health and welfare, we actually gain authority through that process and the consequences, Neil, can be amazing. You know, none of us wants extra weight of responsibility on our shoulders. Uh, But what you demonstrate, Andrew, is that there is a necessity for Christian believers uh, to take seriously biblical foundations here and not be reliant on the welfare state, even if it takes sacrifice, even if it costs us something to take that burden off the states. And then, as you say, that leads to uh, not such a large need for those government departments, uh, not such an opportunity for all of the... Uh, coercion that then comes when there is a welfare state. So freedom is uh, the the upshot of uh, of taking that biblical uh, way of uh, dealing with taking responsibility for these needs. Andrew, uh, great insights as always. I wish we had a little more time on this, but we might even enlarge on this, you know, into the weeks to come. We might uh, we might touch sure. on it again. But familyvoice.org.au is to the way you can connect with Andrew McColl. Andrew is Family Voice Australia Queensland State Director. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's been great being with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.